Good morning, Horizon. Welcome. Let's welcome those on the internet and those in Lodi. We got Washington, Oregon, Texas, South Carolina, and right around here, too, that are watching today. So, guys, welcome this morning. I don't know. Have you ever, guys, ever been scammed on anything? How many have been scammed? You can feel free. Whether it's financial, whether it's anything. I, I hate being taken. I hate being scammed because I'm a trusting guy. And I, I mean, I, I believe usually what people say, unless my indicator lights are going off on the person. Years and years ago, 100 pounds ago, I should probably say that maybe that'll date me easier. <clears throat> there was a, a fair that where my wife and I were at and they had what's called a Jacob's, a Jacob's Ladder. Have you ever seen a Jacob's Ladder? It's a ladder, you know, just a, a you know, wood, ropes, angled, pivots, spins, and you got to have perfect balance, basically, to get up this ladder. And so I took the challenge of this ladder. It's, the thing is, I had one in my backyard. I know how to climb a Jacob's Ladder, frontwards, backwards, every which way. I'm a big guy. I got good balance, all right? And so the, the whole thing is that you have to be able to counterbalance your weight as you go up. And the ones at the fair are set up, not, not too many people can climb these things. It's, it's fast spin. It's longer than normal. And I got on there. I said, I'm going to do this. I do it in my backyard all the time. And so I get halfway up and I flip and I go, okay, I know how to do it now. And I get back down. I pay my money. And I get to the top. You're supposed to ring the bell. I ring the bell. Came down. All right. Give me people clapping. And they said, sorry, you have to ring the bell twice, it says, to win. I mean, I was a little pissed off at that point in time. And so I paid my money again, climbed up the ladder, flipped the switch, but left it on. And I just came back down. Give me my prize. Of course, he had to climb up there and turn the thing out. People said, give him his prize, give him his prize. I hate being taken. And, you know, with this ring it twice type thing. Okay, I, I, I get it. Whether it's, whether it's stuff like that at fairs where you're just kind of scammed or maybe financially, you ever heard of a Ponzi scheme? Yeah, Ponzi, I did some research with it. It was developed by, uh, the name came from Charles Ponzi. He was an Italian guy in the 1920s who promised he could double your money in 90 days. And this is where this Ponzi scheme came from. The biggest Ponzi scheme was from that guy in the middle, Madoff, who $65 billion. $65 billion for 20 years he was tucking it away, making promises, paying these guys, not paying these guys, and he got 150 years in prison. Longest sentence that you could, that you could have, and he died in prison, and I don't think there was not a lot of tears, especially from the people that he ripped off of $65 billion to be taken, nothing to show for it. And today's passage is really talking about a spiritual Ponzi scheme. I mean, some of you, there's pictures out here. Let's see, there's one right there that, you know, people, you know, I'm brave. Ted's sitting next to one. John's sitting next to one. Did that one get taken? Nah, they got moved, but it's sitting over there. The wolves in sheep's clothing. All right, normally people don't want to sit next to those. And that one moved already several times. No one wanted to be next to it because... But we're warned in Scripture that in every congregation, there are wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, they usually come to the second service, so you guys are usually safe. And that's why I put them pictures up instead. Because that's what Peter is addressing in chapter 2. 
So far we've discussed this, that there's a divine supernatural work of God that has taken place in our soul. We said God is faithful. He gives us everything we need to accomplish the task that he has put for us. And that we get to participate with God's plan for the redemption of man. We said that our salvation is perfect and complete, but we need to pursue our faith. We need to grow in our faith. And last week we talked about the only absolute, infallible, inerrant, reliable source of truth is the Bible. Now for some of you, when you watch that video, didn't we see that last week? Yes, but remember last week he says, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to bring it up to remembrance. That's why, let's, let's make sure that we understand the importance of the Word of God because it's really going to be important when we get into chapter 2 here. So if you have your Bible, smartphone devices, go to 2 Peter 2, start in verse 1. We're going to cover a whole three verses this morning. Um, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among, amongst you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them, bought them, bringing swift destructions on the, destruction on themselves. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories that they have made up. Their condemnation was long, has long been hanging over, the, over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. You know, they always say the two things you count on is death and taxes, which is true. Two things out of this passage is this. Two realities are promise, false teachers, and their ultimate destruction. Peter had them. We will have them. We have them today of heresies that have crept into the church. I'm going to address those at the end. I may step on some toes. Be prepared for that. But false heresies, false teaching, false prophets that are out there that were promised that would be there. That's why Paul says, when I, I'm going to leave you, but there will be savage wolves among you. Wolves in sheep's clothing who will try to steal you away from the truth. And so that's where we need to talk about. Now, what I want us to understand, especially when it comes to the Word of God, there is nothing more offensive to God than the distortion of His Word. Revelation 22, verse 18 says this, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. A lot of plagues in that book. And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy, God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Serious words for those who will distort the word of God it's easy to do. People do it all the time. They'll pull it out of context and twist it and turn it to whatever they want to promote. R.C. Sproul says this, we are living in perhaps the most anti-intellectual period in the history of Christendom. Not anti-academic or anti-scientific, but anti-mind. I doubt if there's ever been a time in church history when professing Christians have been less concerned about doctrine than they are today. 
We hear almost daily that doctrine does not matter, that Christianity is a relationship, not a creed. There is not, there is not simply indifference toward doctrine, but outright hostility, with, which is exceedingly disastrous. Guys, when the doctrine goes, the truth of the scripture goes, the church goes with it. Swindoll says this, false teachers are often appear doctrinally, doctrinally sound, personally attractive, and sincere, and, and logical, logically compelling, but they are deceivers, mind benders, and truth twisters. Let's look at verse 1, what Peter said. But there were, were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers amongst you. The first false teacher, con artist that we see in the scriptures is the devil himself. It started with Adam and Eve, and that lie he told him there is the lie that we still hear today, and sometimes in many churches. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says, But I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Verse 13 says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. The devil, the father of lies, the devil who continually will send in false prophets within the church. They'll have, have false prophets outside the church because that's his job. And from Moses, when Moses talked about the false prophets, he, he talked about them. He said, guys, these, these people need to be killed. That was, that was the law. There's a false prophet that says something against, about God. Stone him. Jesus predicted that there will be false prophets. The apostles over and over and over again continue to say, guys, there are false prophets within the church. They're always going to be there from Old Testament to New Testament. It's unmistakably how God does not tolerate false prophets. But the church seems to tolerate them today. If someone comes on and if they just say they're a Christian then they're accepted regardless of what they're teaching. And unfortunately, within the church, and I use this church as a whole, and, and us, we are somewhat ignorant of what the scriptures say, and so there's no way to challenge. We don't know how, because what they sound, it sounds biblical, but it's not. And all of a sudden, when those doctrines, when those biblical teachings come in to be an attack, we don't know how to defend them because we're not too sure of them ourselves. So on your notes, there are a lot of notes, I mean, it's front and back, but on the back, we just, I just printed there that these are the beliefs of our church. You can find this on our website too, but this is what we believe as a church and it's important to understand these are the things that are not negotiable. Not negotiable. Now we may debate and say, well, how do we do communion? Because, you know, sometimes it's crackers, you got wine, you got water, sometimes it's rip and dip, sometimes it's this, sometimes it's that. We can kind of just have conversation about that. But there's some things within the scripture that are non-negotiable. John MacArthur says this, false teachers arise when the church begins to emphasize the worldly culture around it 
God-centered worship and preaching is replaced by man-centered antics and entertainment. A biblical emphasis on sin, repentance, and holiness is replaced by an emphasis on self-esteem and help needs. Where more is talked about how you doing rather than what the scripture says how we should be living. Verse 1 goes on to say, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies. This word secretly means camouflage. Kind of like what you do when you go fishing. You camouflage the hook. You use all, I mean, every fisherman that I know has a huge tackle box of different things and different, oh, well, this is for this and this is for this. And oh, what, what's the sunlight like? What's the water? T-? All that, they have a different lure for all of them. But inside, embedded in all of them is what? A hook. And that's what these guys do. They will secretly camouflage this teaching and they'll wrap something that sounds truthful, that might even be partly truthful, Warren Wiersbe says this, the false teachers use our vocabulary, but they use a different dictionary. The words don't mean the same things. They may say Jesus Christ, but it's not the same Jesus Christ that I believe in. They may say the Bible's inspired, but it's not what I believe how the Bible's inspired. And so they secretly put these in, these destructive heresies, verse, said, verse 1 says. It will secretly introduce destructive heresies. This word destructive literally means disastrous eternal consequences. Because, guys, if people are believing this teaching and not the true teaching of the gospel, they're sucked away, and it's disastrous for them because they don't know the true gospel. They don't know the true Jesus and who he is. Their teaching is lethal but subtle. And these destructive heresies... They deny the sovereign Lord who bought them. And here's the deal, guys. It's not that they're, they're not denying that there was a dude named Jesus that lived here 2,000 years ago. They're not denying that, you know, he said some good things, but that's their dictionary. Their words mean different things. Sin is simply, you haven't really actualized your full human potential yet. Salvation might be a self-actualization of what you, who, who are you? Who are you? Because God wants the best for you right now. Your best life right now. Scripture's inspired, but just like a poet is inspired. It's not the word of God. Salvation becomes universal. Oh, we believe in salvation because everyone's going to be there. Everyone. It doesn't matter. You're going to get there eventually. And there's so many churches right now and so many preachers preaching this that hell does not exist in their mind anymore. They're going to have a rude awakening, unfortunately. God is seen as just a higher power, not the creator of the universe. Jesus is viewed as a, a good moral teacher. He had some good things to say. I really like that stuff in red. I mean, I really like that part. And the resurrection is just a metaphor that we're, we're supposed to just keep Jesus alive in our hearts and our mind. Not that he rose from the grave, conquered death and sin for us. Salvation is truly only what God can do. 
It is perfect. It is complete. And it's he that saves, not some philosophy of life. Not just being a good person. Because if that were true, then we'll all, we will all be trying to, who's going to be the goodest? That's a word. I'm gooder than you are, so I'm going to get into heaven quicker than you, rather than none of us are good. And that's why it says, denying the sovereign Lord who bought them. That there was a sacrifice. I mean, we, we do this communion as a reminder of the cost that it took the death of Jesus Christ on a cross to take away my sin. And upon believing in that, repenting of my sin, he bought me. I've been purchased by him. And they deny that. You can get there on your own if you just work hard enough. And the promise is bringing swift destruction on themselves. Now this is a question that probably will be debated in many circles. Is that, well, Tim, are you saying that these false teachers aren't Christians? Yeah. Now ultimately I'm going to say God makes that call. I can't make that call. But when it talks about swift destruction, he's not talking about a pat, you know, on the butt, naughty, naughty boy. Slap on the wrist. I mean, we'll see this at the end of verse 3, the same thing. There's going to be swift destruction on these people who take my word and twist it to their own use. And what has corrupt in the church, what's in this church, what's been in every church since time began, Satan is great of sneaking in, secretly camouflaging it, making it look good, and we just bite it. Never challenging it. And by this scripture, those false teachers are clearly lost. That's why Hebrews 10, 39 says, but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but we are those who believe and are saved. And the scary part of this is when verse 2 says, many will follow their shameful ways. I said many times one of the saddest verses in the scripture is found in Matthew 7, verse 13, where it says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and what? Many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only what? A few find it. Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 24, at that time many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Now, we said a couple of weeks ago that your salvation is perfect and complete. If you have truly repented of your sin and received Christ, John 10, 29 says, My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. So he's talking about those who are just listening, those who haven't really put themselves into it. Be careful. Many will be dragged away. Many will be lured away. Many will be taken away by these false teachers whose destruction is sure. Many will follow, verse 2, their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. 
A shameful way means unashamedly sensual, blatant immorality. William Barclay says this, it describes the attitude of a man who is lost to shame. He has passed the stage of wishing to conceal his sin and of being ashamed of it. Or as the Old Testament says, these guys don't even blush anymore. They've gotten to the point that they've, really, they're making up their own religion. They're kind of making it up as they want. And if you're going to write your own religion, then you're going to put freedom. I can do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, and any time I want. And that's what we're seeing today. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter what you, how you live. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just as long as you believe God, it exists. And I always come back when, when someone, well, I believe in God. Yeah, the devil believes in God too, but that ain't going to save him. Grace is the riches of God at Christ's expense. Grace is when I receive him as the Lord and Savior of my life, and I want to follow him. I want to obey what he tells me to do, not just make it up where it satisfies me. And the sad thing is when it says in in verse 2 there that they bring the way of truth in disrepute. Because these false teachers will eventually be exposed. You see it all the time. A commentator named Linsky says this, true Christianity is blasphemed, reviled, cursed, condemned by outsiders who see professed Christians running to all manner of excesses. They say, if that's Christianity, curse it. When many follow such excesses, outsiders are unable to distinguish and so they blaspheme the whole And what these false teachers do, they live such a lifestyle in this shameful lust that they're all of a sudden exposed and the whole group, we're all thrown into it. And our faith is blasphemed because of these false teachers. The devil's job is to kind of twofold. He's got people on the outside seeking to tarnish the church's reputation But he's got people on the inside trying to ruin it from here. If you've ever been a part of a church split and division and all that, you know how that works. And when unbelievers associate the contact of false teachers to us, it's the name of Christ that becomes defamed. 2 Peter 2.3 says, As in their greed, these teachers will exploit you with stories that they have made up. They'll make up stories. We talked about myths a while back, but these false stories, which is interesting, the word for stories, false stories here, it's the word where we get the word plastic from. Because when plastic first came out, no one trusted it because it was an imitation. Because you can make plastic look like anything, wood, metal, whatever. You, you can change it all up. I mean, today, I don't know, imagine a world without plastic. But in this time, plastic meant something that was false, that couldn't be trusted, fabricated, counterfeit. That's why Colossians 2.8 says this. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition 
and the basic principles of this world rather than Christ. That's what you're always going to be attacked with, what the world wants, what the world says, what the world says is right. And it's, we can lean into that because the world's bigger than technically the church. And so we're getting here and you're getting in school, high school and college and your workplace and in the news and you're constantly getting this flood. This is right, this is right, this is right. And how easy, if you're really Christian, you'd be involved here. If you really believed in Jesus and loved people, you'd be doing this. And we get pulled, we get pulled, we get pulled. That's why Colossians, again, see to it no one takes you captive through these hollow, deceptive philosophies. These human traditions that come up, that people make up well, this is, where, this is what we're believing in. You know, true humanism, if you just give mankind enough time, he'll heal all the evils of the world. Hello? That's why 2 Peter 2, 3 says, In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with their stories. They have made up. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Destruction again. Their ultimate end. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote this in 1846. Though the mills of God grind slowly, yet they grind exceedingly small. Though with patience he stands waiting, with exactness grinds he all. Destruction will come. It's not sleeping. I mean, it may not happen in the time frame that we want it, but it's going to happen. It will take place. So what are we to do? Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21, test everything. Hold on to the good. Don't, don't, don't let go. Because people are trying to grab it out of your hands. Avoid every kind of evil. The conversation this week when people were talking about the social gospel, <laughs> I came across this quote from Justin's Peter, Justin Peters. If you have to add an adjective to the gospel, then it's not the gospel. If you have to say social gospel, you just ruin the gospel. If you have to say prosperity gospel, you just ruin the gospel. And the heresies, guys, that are infiltrating, have infiltrated, and are infiltrating the church. Let me name a few. That you can speak things into existence. I'm going to put a picture of the car, the house, the this and this on my refrigerator, and I'm going to look at that every day, and I'm going to believe that that's, what, that's one. I'm going to send those positive thoughts out there. And because if I send it out there, then they're going to run into other positive thoughts, and they're going to return full to me. Guys, I'm going to tell you, that's Christian science repackaged. That's Christian science, which is interesting. Christian science is neither Christian nor scientific at all. It's kind of like grape nuts. I love grape nuts. But they're not grape and they're not nuts, okay? I love them. They taste good. I always buy them, but I, they're not grapes and nuts. Christian science is neither Christian nor science, but they believe. If, if you believe it, if you put that positive thought out there, it'll come back to you. Joel Olstein, your best life is right in front of you. I know some of you guys have read the book. 
How do you avoid that smile? Because he's a false teacher. I'm telling you that right now. Everyone's going to get to heaven. Guys, these are things that I've heard them say. I listen to a lot of preachers. God commands you to be healthy. That's what Joyce Myers will say over and over and over and over again. Don't, don't touch Joyce Myers. I mean, God, if you're really following Jesus, you'll be healthy. We all know people who are sick right now. So I guess they're not following Jesus. Because it's God's will that you be healthy. Rod Parsley's of the world and all those faith things. Just sow a seed. You sow a seed. I'm going to tell you, you hear sow a seed, run. Turn it off. Don't listen anymore. Because, man, if you plant $10 in my ministry, I'm going to tell you God's going to give you 1000 back. Does that sound like a Ponzi scheme or what? It's not how it works. It's not that God doesn't bless. He just doesn't say, well, you gave me a dollar, I'm going to give you two back. Unfortunately, the Steve Furtick's of the world, little gods, because you're all little gods. You're just like God. If, I want to believe, if you told me that, I heard him say, I watched him say. In context, I watched him say. Man, that sounds like what Satan told Adam and Eve in the very beginning. Jesus is not the only begotten God. You'll hear that from Mr. Johnson up there at Bethel. You are begotten of God. Jesus left his deity, but I mean, he left it. He was no longer part man, part God. He was just man until God touched him. And God touches you, and you are just like Jesus. I'm I'm a friend of Jesus. He's my brother, but there's nobody like Jesus. God did not create just male and female. He created a thousand different genders. Here where I might get cut off. Critical race theory, CRT, that's been, been taught on our college campuses for eons, but now hitting the high school campuses and if you watch any news, you see different... School boards being brought up because they're allowing CRT. And basically CRT is this, guys. I've read books. I just finished my third book on this subject. I'm in the middle of a fourth book. My ears bleed sometimes when I'm reading it, but it's so good. I'm just trying to understand and get my hands wrapped around this. But this is basically Marxism, communism repackaged. If you don't believe it, start doing research. I'll give you the books for you to read. But it's talking about where there are oppressors. And there are the oppressed. And guess who the, who the oppressor is? Me. The white evangelical male. Sorry, females, you get wrapped up into that too. And I'm tired of being told, well, you're a racist because you're white. Uh, you can call me a lot of things. Racist isn't one of them, but they, their whole teaching is based on, I was born a racist. And that little, little, little babies in there all have racist knapsacks. They're invisible. They just don't know they have them yet. And I'm going to tell you something. It goes against what the Bible says. One, the Bible says there's only one race, guys. There's only one race. 
We all have the same blood. I don't care what color you are. We are the race of Adam. And now we have different colors represented, but it's all the same color. Some of you just have more melanin than others. And some of you who are darker than others have more melanin. Don't pry it up. See, God loves me more. He gave me more melanin than you did. But see, that's what we need to separate people by the races. Guys, race is a human philosophy. It's a human construct. That we just, ah, just take it in because you say it enough times, it's got to be true. I'm not going to repent of how, who God created me to be, nor should anyone a person of color repent of that. It goes against what the scripture says. I need to repent of all my ancestors' sins that go, how far back do I got to go? And how far back are you going to go? My Bible tells me my sins have been forgiven, forgiven and forgotten. They're not held against me, and I'm not going to allow you to hold them against me because they don't exist anymore. I've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. The intersectionality that we got to divide people by all these, and again, it's separating people. Guys, my gospel says there's no neither Jew nor Greek, slave or free, male or female. He's called us all to be one. I'm not going to allow this to come in. And there are churches, I'm telling you, churches are splitting over this. They're splitting over this. Over my dead body, like I said, Kevin has a right to shoot me in the head if I bring this stuff. Because why? It's back to Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. It's what Jesus said. It's what the Word of God says. That's the importance. That's the filter. That's what we got to get back to. That has to be the thing that we use, not how I'm feeling today. Okay, let me calm down. Charles Swindoll says, this is what we need to do, three things. One, stop. Refuse to plunge yourself in someone's particular teaching just because they talk real good. Or, man, you know, that, that makes sense. I'm just going to swallow everything they say. Stop for a minute. And Look. Look at them, look at their life, look at their background. If you're new here, don't just trust what I'm saying. Check it out. Get your word out there. Follow me. Look at the notes. Now, there may be mistakes, like in your notes it says Revelation 2.2.2 versus 18.19. There's no such thing as Revelation 2022, all right? My finger just got excited and put three twos rather than two. I make mistakes all the time. So... But you need to check this out. Don't just believe it because the talking head up here said it. You need to engage and listen. Play, pay close attention to what your teacher says and how they say it. Just because it makes you feel good doesn't make it a truth. Because, guys, most of the time, truth will slap you in the face and punch you in the stomach. That's what truth does. John MacArthur preached a sermon last Sunday that got pulled down from YouTube. I had to dig to find it. Um, I mean, they didn't even post it on their own website yet, as of a couple days ago. And when I finally found the clip that took him off, I, I kept waiting for what was the bombshell. 
because he told a story of high school students that came to him and said, Dr. McConnell, we're entering college. What, what do we need to know entering college? And he says, two things. There's two things that you have to have to survive college. One, a courage of conviction. You have to have a courage of conviction of what you believe in and why you believe in it because college will challenge that. And professors today aren't into it for debate. They're just, you just take my word or shut up. You need to have courage in conviction of what you believe in. Secondly, and this is what got him kicked off, critical thinking. Use your mind. Challenge the thought process. Ask, ask questions. Do not take your brain, put it in a bag, and bury it for four years. God gave you a mind, use it. Do not just be sucked into this human philosophy and human way of thinking of what the world wants to present to you. You hold on to what the word of God says. Yes, it'll be challenged. Yes, you will be challenged. It'll be a time in your life where it'll drive you to the word of God like no other time. And I'm gonna tell you, as a college student, I was challenged constantly and I always brought them back to the word. And then I was, I was sucked into this thing by this guy and, and I had to go back to my Bible and read it because it says, it says in Luke 20, verse 13 this and I just had to believe it I didn't have a Bible and that was the last time I didn't carry a Bible with me on campus as a student because I went back to my dorm room there's no Luke 24 verse 13 doesn't even exist I was so angry I was so pissed off never again is that going to happen to me use your mind think do not put your brain away challenge study look dig in Here's the two realities that are promised to us. False teachers and their ultimate destruction. I, I believe God's his, his, he's not sleeping in the judgment that he is going to bring upon those false teachers. I may not see it in my lifetime, but guaranteed it's going to take place. Guaranteed they're going to be here. Guaranteed there will always be wolves in sheep's clothing. I'm going to tell you, my job is to guide and feed the sheep, but I'll take out false, false shepherds. That's my job to protect as well, and your elder's job to protect. Do not be carried away by the slick tricks of people who call themselves Christians, and just because they say it doesn't mean it's true. Dig into what they're saying. Dig into what the scriptures say. Discover for yourself, because that word, it's a sword dividing between bone and marrow, right to the heart of things. But you got to be in the book to be able to do it. Father in heaven, thank you for this day. Thank you for another day of breath, which means you're not done with us. May we be people who are studiers of your word, that we understand what your word of God says, that we test everything by your word, and we hold on to it tight in these days that we live in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org.